Joe and I are going to do another kind of tag team sermon this month. Um, so the last few weeks, we've we've it's kind of come up a lot in um, during service, and I'm going to fall. Maybe I'm not going to stand back there. Um, we've talked about this idea of sacrifice. You know, uh, last time Joe and I shared, we were talking about the sacrifice of Thanksgiving and what Thanksgiving's about and what does sacrifice look like, so on and so forth. And so um, <laughs> the Lord's like taken me even deeper. And I want to be able to share that, especially in light of today being the second week of Advent. Did I say that right? Advent. That's it. Um, So the second week of Advent is considered to be bringing the message of peace. So to sum up, because we're not going to go into that per se, um, because I want to focus on this idea of sacrifice. And what does sacrifice look like? And we did a lot of it today as an example, an active living example. We did that this morning. Um, But within the second week of Advent, we're focusing in on Christ's coming from the book of Messiah into the gospel according to Mark um, and how a messenger, who is John the Baptist, um, will come and speak of the Lord and will make way the path of the Lord, as we all know, right? We're also reminded in the Psalms that he is a just king, whose heart is for the poor, the oppressed, the children, and will bring peace. In Second Peter, we're reminded that the Lord is not slow in his coming or keeping his promises. Okay, so in light of all of that, this idea of sacrifice, I want to go right in and dive into Psalm 51. Um, And as I have been doing, I really like this particular translation of the complete Jewish Bible. So that is what we will be reading out of this morning. I also noticed (laughs) that um, for whatever reason, it's slightly off in verses. So even though it says three, it's actually one. It's just this translation is a little different. Um, So starting with verse three, which is actually one. God, in your grace, have mercy on me. In your great compassion, blot out my crimes. Wash me completely from my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my crimes. My sin confronts me all the time. Shoo. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil from your perspective so that you are right in accusing me and justifying and passing sentence. True, I was born guilty, was a sinner from the moment my mother conceived me. Still, you want truth in the inner person. Hmm. You want truth in the inner person. So make me know wisdom in my inmost heart. Sprinkle me with hyssop and I will be clean. Yeah. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear the sound of joy and gladness, so that the bones you crushed can rejoice. Turn away 
your face from my sins and blot out all my crimes. Create in me a clean heart, God. Renew in me a resolute spirit. Don't thrust me away from your presence and don't take your ruach. Oh, gosh, I can't say it, but it's Holy Spirit. Today I can't say it. Last time I could say, fine. Um, Don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Restore my joy in your salvation and let a willing spirit uphold me. Then I will teach the wicked your ways and sinners will return to you. Rescue me from the guilt of shedding blood, God, God of my salvation. Then my tongue will sing about your righteousness. Adonai, open my lips, then my mouth will praise you. For you don't want sacrifices. I know this sounds ironic. I'll get there. Or I would give them. You don't take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice to God is a broken spirit. God, you won't spurn, reject, despise, scorn, abuse. You won't spurn a broken, chastened heart. In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and whole burnt offerings. Then they will offer bulls on your altar. There's a lot going on there, huh? Sounds kind of depressing, but it's actually really awesome. Okay, hold with me. Um, I remember a season of life where if we go to verse 12, verse 12, create in me a clean heart, God. Renew in me a resolute spirit. In a lot of other translations you might be reading, you'll see contrite spirit or a contrite heart. Okay? I was probably 24, 25 when I really started getting into this particular chapter. And, I mean, this is only a couple years ago. But I remember how scene I felt when I read this psalm. And I think it's cool when we read psalms because David, one of the primary people in the psalms, he's so relatable and he's so raw, okay? And so that particular verse, I mean, to sum up my my little history, in that season was I had found myself in situations that I don't know really how I got there. I, I do know how I got there, but I was sitting in a place of regret following a voice I thought was the Lord. And it actually brought me into three years of turmoil. I did come back here though. That was nice. <laughs> But in that season, I was, I was struggling because I started learning things about God that were actually pushing me more away from him. But I thought it was him, and I thought this was God's stuff. But it was that counterfeit stuff we're taught, especially, I know I bring this up every week, and I don't want you to get too annoyed, but it is a problem of this American Christianity. There's stuff that we teach here in America that other countries 
That is not how they think about God. That is not how they do the Christian life, okay? And a lot of it is pieces of what I'm going to be sharing today, but this thing of where we come into a place, kind of like what I was sharing earlier, of even looking at sacrifice or worship, and somehow the belief system, whether we're aware of it or not, our belief system with it is that I'm going to get something out of this. Which isn't necessarily wrong, but it is a wrong posture and position, if that makes sense. Okay? So create in me a clean heart, Lord. Renew in me a contrite spirit. Don't take me away from your presence. Don't take away the Holy Spirit from me. And yet, in that season, that, that, even that verse felt real to me because I felt like I couldn't hear the Holy Spirit because, kind of like what I said earlier, there's stuff in my way, in my belief system and how I thought about God that actually blocked me from truly being able to encounter the Holy Spirit and live my life in freedom. On the outside, my life looked like it was in freedom, but for some reason, I felt locked up and in bondage in my life. I was very depressed. I, I, I didn't have, I didn't feel like I had people I could trust because I just came out of this spiritual abuse situation. So now I'm in this place of, Lord, you're the only one I can really go to right now to get me back on solid ground. And you're going to bring those people back into my life. And after a couple weeks, well, I came back here. So that helped out. You guys have been amazing. Restore my joy in your salvation and let a willing spirit uphold me. Then I will teach the wicked your ways and sinners will return to you. I want to zero in on verses 18 to 21, which is technically like 17 to 19 in the actual um, for you don't want sacrifices, or I would give them. You don't take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice to God is a broken spirit, that contrite spirit, contrite heart. You will not spurn. Again, spurn is to reject. You will not despise. You will not scorn. You will not abuse a broken and chastened heart. In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And then you will, then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and whole burnt offerings, and then they will offer bulls on your altar. There's a couple of um, scripture I actually want to read to cross-reference and give a little bit more light to what's going on. So the first one is Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm 147, 3. 
He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. 2 Kings 22:19. Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before Adonai, when, you're, when you heard what I said against this place and its inhabitants, that they would become an object of astonishment and cursing, you have torn your clothes and cried before me, I have also heard you, says Adonai. He listens. He's Emmanuel. He's near. Isaiah 57, 15. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Isaiah 66, verse 2. All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in heart and trembles at my word. And Luke 18, verses 11 through 14. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up. Well, looks like we're sharing that. <laughs> sharing is caring. <laughs> I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So looking at 1, verses 17, 17 through 21 of Psalm 51, in correlation to these scriptures that we just went over, we see that it's until the depths of our hearts are actually broken and seen and addressed, the sacrifice of animals, looking at 51, to the Lord is of nothing to him. So at that time, David knew that the sacrifice of animals was still a thing, but God's heart about it was that if your heart is not actually there and in it and active, then that burnt offering is of nothing to me. It means nothing. That's like if I just, for his birthday, this is my husband, by the way, nobody knew that. Um, if for his birthday, I just grabbed something because I knew it was his birthday and I just handed it over to him and I didn't put thought 
and heart into it, what's that going to mean to him? Is he really going to encounter my love in that interaction? And this is, this is aside from the five love languages and gifts and all of that. This is just two, two people married having an interaction. And for his birthday, oh shoot, I forgot. It's his birthday. Let me go grab. It's almost that same thing. If my heart's not really in the actual sacrifice, then what does that do? That means nothing to the Lord. And I'm just wasting breath, wasting motion for a life that he did, that he accomplished so much for me to do in. I think for us, and, and again, we, we encountered this a little bit today, we see worship as a sacrifice. We say a lot, lift up a sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of praise. But if we're just here singing songs, what is that to the Lord? If there's no intention behind the singing. And again, we often see worship as something for us when it's actually for him alone. So until we actually see true worship as something that he alone is worthy of, he's worthy of the praise, he's worthy of the adoration, until then, it is not a fragrance, a beautiful fragrance unto God. It's not a, a, a wonderful sound to his ears. It's just sounds. Are you with me? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so this alone shows us the need for the sacrifice of our idea of sacrifice. Sacrifice has nothing to do with me. It's only about him. I think that we often think of sacrifice as something that we're giving up. We're just giving this up to God because we have to. Like it's, like it's partially a surrender but we're looking for something in return every single time. Well, what am I going to get out of it? How am I going to get filled today? How am I, how am I, I, me, I. And I'm saying this too, because this is a very fine line. I have walked and am walking today. But if, it's, if God is as true as we proclaim and as good as we proclaim, then if I give him that something, if I'm going to see sacrifice from a place of surrender, of giving up something, 
then do I really need to expect something in return? Can I just trust that he's going to deal with it? And he's going to tell me what my part is? In the sense where, like, I'm requesting it. He who gives what he would as readily throw away gives without generosity. For the essence of generosity is in self-sacrifice. That's a quote by Jeremy Taylor. And and it's like I I was thinking about it. When we get to a place where we turn selfishness into self-sacrificing, that means we're giving up ourselves to receive something more and making ourselves present to the Father, but the people around us as well. I think a lot about that, like, um, like this morning, you know, just being able to stand here and it's like, I, I just got, I got wrecked, um, and whew. sorry, mm. uh, something hit me where I was like, like she said, when like I wrote, like when I was raising my hands. I sacrificed that adult sternness that I had in myself to pick up a childlike spirit to say, Father, I want you to take hold of me and to love me and being able to accept that, to give up the fear, to give up the pain, to give up anything that I might have been holding on to help me uh, that might have caused me to be pushed away from uh, feeling his presence. It, it helped me get to a place of understanding that sacrifice and surrender are synonymous to each other to allow my heart to uh, expel these things that I have made an idol over time to give way to those things saying if I've been holding on to worry if I've been holding on to fear and there's a place of fear that even though like I gave away this stuff that I thought you know was the problem there was something else that was hindering that view and to Jesus and it is that fear for some reasons like I knew like I was being relieved of all this pain and this stuff and this stuff, this darkness, and just like focusing on the glory of the Lord, but there was something, my heart still felt anxious. But it was like, did I surrender or sacrifice everything that I had to give to the Father? But I didn't. It was understanding that there was still fear that was the root and the cause of why I did not want to be vulnerable to the Father. Allowing myself to be in a place of, of, of being scared to receive, even though it's not about receiving, but to know that the, the Father's love is pouring into me. But yeah, exactly. It's trusting it. And it's like, it becomes hard sometimes to understand. It's like over a period of time, like talk about what Jeremy Taylor said. It's like, if I'm, I have things that I make in my life that I don't want to give away. And it's the same thing like with stewardship. It's like the the stuff that means the most is the stuff that you steward the most. You're not going to give some, if you have something that you're just going to give away, it really was meaningless to you. I feel like, you know, in sacrifice, when you give it up, it's something that you made personal over a period of time. And it could be emotions. It could be a relationship. It could be, uh, it could be, you know, fine, like finances and stuff. You know, and I kind of ran into a situation this morning. Um, that's why I was like a little late. And well, my sense of late is not like, the church late. How, uh, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm going to stop there. I'm going to dig myself at <laughs> But I, I remember like I was sitting there and I came out the door and then someone came up to him and asked, was asking for like, ask for money. And like, I, I'm not, by no means I'm not boasting 
and anything that's happened. It was just the way God has worked this morning. But he showed me, it was like, they asked me, it was like, you know, they were trying to get home up north to see their kids. I don't know the extent if it was truth or not, but they didn't have enough money to get the tolls and stuff. And I'm like, I don't have any cash on me. But I know I stopped, something hit me and was like, you know, how much do you need? And I was talking to them and they're two, it was two people and they were two uh, tears clean from addiction. So I, I had to stop and think for a minute. I had to sacrifice my time to understand that I, I can expel or not expel give hope to these people that might be struggling through something that could lead them back into the same lifestyle. So I stopped and I was, I was talking to him. I was giving him, you know, saying like, there's a lot of things that you're going to have to do and a lot of things that you're going to have to give up to be able to receive a life that's worth living. Even though sometimes it feels like you can't get out of this hole and you're, you, you know, you're stuck in it. You know, you're waiting for that first paycheck from a new job to come around, but everything seems like it's falling down around you. It's like you got to got to push through. You sometimes you got to just tuck that money away and, and sacrifice those luxuries in life to be able to get somewhere better. And it was like it was like these words that, that the father was putting out to me because it's stuff that I understand from my own experience. You know, and, and hoping that they left there, you know, with at least some hope. But it was like coming down to one of the biggest sacrifices that, you know, we typically make as Christians is sacrificing our time. Something about time is like so important because it's so little. We have a very limited amount of time and some of us have even a limited amount of time because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And just to give up even 10 minutes sometimes seems like it's a burden. But that's one of those things where it's like, you know, when you say, like you give that up as a sacrifice, it's like, you know, you're, you, you might not get anything back in return, but you're satisfied because you knew you did something that's worthwhile, that you use your time respectively. You stewarded your time respectively. And it's not as saying like, Lord, I, I hope to receive something in return, but he does see that. He sees the effort that you put in to, to, to listen to his word, to, to take yourself away from your busy schedule to love on somebody else. And it was like this morning, it was like, you know, I, I, I didn't, you know, I, I have anxiety talking to people I don't know. So I was kind of like skittish. I was like, uh. and I really like giving money to, <laughs> to people because I don't know what it's for. But I was like, you know what? It's none of my business. If they truly needed help, God's going to provide it to, for them to get home. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it and, and we're going to go from there. But it felt, it, it felt good for me because I felt like, you know, I, I, I could stop thinking about myself and then start thinking on the greater things. It's like helping the least of these in those moments because I know for myself through experience, when those times come up and I need help, like I hope someone would do the same thing for me. But we think about time and we think about sacrificing the, uh, what we do. It's like we, there's someone that I always think about. Uh, I don't know if you guys know who David Livingston is. Some of you might know. Pastor Robert, you probably know who David Livingston is. <laughs> so I was actually, I was reading something about him this morning. And it's like, and I heard it, like I knew the name because I heard it in the song before. But I, I think about him and like his whole life and how he like sacrificed his time to help the people of Africa, to help develop them into like even like a better nation than where they were. Um, if you don't know him, he's, he is a Scottish physician from the 1800s uh, that was a, a missionary over in Africa. Like he went there to try to help establish um, a better life than what they had before. You know, even though it was against the Victorian um, era and like what people did then, he went out and he sacrificed a lot to be able to help those people. And I think about him and I think about, uh, you know, think about 
helping people and thinking about like thinking about the time again in general it's like he gave up his time even though like which is the craziest thing is like he didn't know what he was getting into and if you knew the story about him he went over there uh, he helped the people but he also got mauled by a lion so it's like uh okay I, i'm like i think about him like uh, if I'm going to go over here, am I going to get attacked by a line? But it doesn't really matter. He was like, I, my mind is so, uh, so much more focused on wanting to help people and wanting to do what's next. I'm going to sacrifice either probably my life laid down in a sense of a martyr to say, I want to show, I want to show the world who Jesus is by loving on them and helping them develop, helping them become better people. And, you know, not many people do that, but it's that, that, that thing of like laying your life down, becoming that living sacrifice to be used as a vessel to pour out onto other people. You know, and myself, that's what I, I, I hope to be something like that. But in the same sense, if I'm not willing to sacrifice the things that I'm holding on as idols today, I'm never going to get to that position because I'm always going to be hindered by what uh, I put on a platform. And that's the biggest truth. And I feel like that's in a lot of our lives. It's like, what do we make idols out of? Are you willing to sacrifice that to the Lord? What we think is ugly is a beautiful aroma that rises up to him. It might not be an actual uh, burning on the altar, but in the same sense, it puts off an aroma that the Father can sense. And that's something beautiful. He, he looks at that, just like our, our sense of worship when we sacrifice to worship. It is a beautiful aroma. He, he's, he, is, he is dancing with us. And when he sees us giving ourselves up to him, and not re- looking for anything in return, that's when he does fill us. And I'm not saying that that's what you should look for. But it is a beautiful feeling. It's a beautiful exchange. But it's like when we go into that selflessly, not expecting anything is when... I guess when, when things seem to explode in a sense, I guess. <laughs> or a suture, would you say? I don't know. <laughs> um, but it also goes, and like I, I keep, I also, I don't want to get jumbled up because I, I, like I get excited and I'll start going everywhere. You know this. I, I don't have to explain this for a million times. But like I, it also gets me thinking about a lot of stuff that's going over, going on with, um, you know, Palestine and Israel. It's like, where is, like, are we more focused on the fighting between them and picking sides? Are we taking time to pray for both of them to stop fighting for peace? I was like, are we taking sides? Like, are we going to sacrifice our pride in a sense to say, I, it's, it's not about who's right or wrong because when we fight, we're all wrong. If we sit there and take time to pray for each of them, prepare, uh, to pray for healing in the hearts of the people over there, that's the biggest thing that we have to do because the pride will seep in and destroy you. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's for Palestine and Israel. It doesn't matter for Republicans or liberals. It's the same thing. Pride, is, I feel like, is one of the biggest hindrances that uh, allows us to be taken aback from uh, wanting to sacrifice because we think that we got to hold on to this. I got to hold on to this hate. I got to hold on to my beliefs and my opinions rather than lay them down to who the Father is saying, that God, you're the one that's right. You know the best way. You know... You know, uh, it's not if they win or if they win. No, it's about us coming together and loving each other in that place of unity. So I'm going to go ahead and read uh, Romans 12, 1, because I think it kind of ties in, ties together a lot of things. If you want to put that on the screen, pretty please. 
Good. So, beloved friends, what should be our prayer, our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? To surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred, living sacrifices, and living in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your generous expression of worship. So even, it's not primarily about us being here today and, and just lifting our arms towards the songs and, and just singing them and just saying, like, this is the worship. No, an act of worship is a constant thing that you do throughout the day. Giving yourself as a living sacrifice, as a, like I said before, as a vessel that's poured out for God, saying, Lord, use me. Like, I, I don't want anything. I don't want anything that I am to step in the way of the works that you want done. And that's the same thing, like, even being up here. It's like, I, I, I constantly pray that God, like, I don't want to be in the way of what you're doing. Because I can, I can hinder the flow of the Holy Spirit through my ignorance and pride and what I want to say. But my thing is to lay that down, Father. You take this. You fill me with your words. You fill my mind. You take everything that I have inside of me and you expel it. Because I want to be filled with your spirit to allow the people, uh, the hearts of the people to be touched in the way that you want them to be touched. And that is a sacrifice. It's like Because I, I got many things I have to say. But guess what? Who cares? That's a conversation for in, in, out there in the, uh, the cafe. Maybe outside of here. Or a phone call to a friend. Like, I want to I speak what delights the Father's heart. And if, I can, if my life and our lives can be used for that, and it's the same thing for you guys. It's like, if our lives can be used for that, where we are out of the way consistently, then we're going to be more effective than if we were to do it in our own power. But it comes, it comes at a cost. Have you counted up the cost? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that I, it, it still astounds me, like, bef- even before Christianity, want to gain materialistic things, thinking that's going to be the say-all, end-all in my life, to becoming a Christian and knowing that I, there is going to be times where i got to suffer. There's going to be times where I'm going to be in these dark places. But guess what? The, the, the sacrifice of my life to who the Father was in the beginning when I first met him is so much greater because what's to come is a lot better. And, and the freedom to know that I have a place and a purpose in his beloved kingdom is so much greater than what I, what I can obtain here on this earth. And to be able to say, like, each day, I know it's, it, sometimes it gets hard. Sometimes it's, it's like, you know, Lord, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can continue to walk the path that you have for me. But it's like, it, it, sometimes it takes, uh, the daily takes every day. Dang, on, English. Uh, let me speak. <laughs> sometimes it takes waking up every single morning and say, God, I lay everything down to you automatically. I give it all to you. And guess what? That's probably one of the hardest things to do. It's so hard. And I, I fail at it constantly. I'm I, like, I'm going to keep it 100%. Because sometimes the first thing when I get up in the morning is to scroll through TikTok. <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> when it should be saying, Father, like, film, like, I, 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 I want to be used to you today to touch somebody's life that might need it. Help me not to be blind. Help me not to see only the things that I want to see or to be angered by the things that are, are taking place that I might not agree with, but to have compassion on those people that might need compassion. Yeah. But it goes back to surrendering that pride. Pride is ugly. 
but it's so it creeps in so so like so uh, slick and sly like a sneaky snake <laughs> but it's true it's like pride can continue to stack and stack and build till you don't you can't see it yourself it's always better to take that inventory of yourself and like throughout the daily to say god if there's any pride that's inside of me lord take this away kill this thing God, crush the head of this snake that might be trying to slither its way into my life. Because this is, I, I, there's, there's times where I've been so, um, and I, I, I don't like talking about myself, but I try to give experiences that you guys can uh, kind of like relate to. But like there's times where like I'll stack pride so much to where it's like it comes in and I can be blinded to it. And then it's funny because God always brings me back and says, yeah, you're, yeah, I, you're you're acting uh, a little too proud right now, <laughs> and then he uh, he he'll humble me in a certain way, and I'm like, oh god, I was like, <laughs> kind of hurts, but it, it feels good in a sense because I know I'm not I I know I don't want to be stuck in myself. Yeah, but in the same sense too, it comes down to if that pride's there inside the marriage, then I'm only gonna be thinking about myself, and it comes down to like this is a sacrifice right here. So I'm I'm not gonna be able to do the things that I used to do. I'm not going to have this independent spirit that's wrapped around me. I have to love my wife and not as like an obligation because I want to. I want to have emotions for her. I want to, love, I want to show her that I care. And it is a sacrifice because it is hard sometimes, especially being in a place like coming from nothing, like having nobody and making a, uh, making a stand in solitude and, and I guess in wanting to be an individual that you know, can do things for himself. And that's what I learned over a period of time. But it's like stepping into this, this, uh, this connection, you know, I got to lay down that whole lifestyle and it does, but it does take time and we work through a lot through that. But can I say it's worth it? Because then again, we don't have to quarrel all the time. We don't have to fight. We don't have to have disagreements like laying down and sacrificing that, like my own self for her is probably one of the hardest things I ever had to do in my life because I did not know how to care for somebody else but myself. Mm. But that's it's the truth. Anybody that's probably married in here can probably say the same thing. Oh, raise a hand. hand. Yeah, raise a hand. Can I, what, what, hold on. Can I get a uh, can I get a witness? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Oh, that's right. That's a good word right there. But it, it's true. So, and it comes down to like. Am I going to spend all the time to myself hiding in the house or am I going to sacrifice my time for my wife? Am I going to sacrifice? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> am I going to sacrifice my individuality just so I can, I, I, I know I can connect with my wife even more and that we can have a happy life together? Am I going to lay down my pride for myself just so we can have a better connection? Because if we're not, if we're not meshing, or firing all cylinders, then this isn't going to work. This here, it's like if I'm not loving my wife right, and I'm not laying things down for her, then how can I lay it down for you guys? But that's more and more things that we continue to learn yep. daily. So that's fun. Tag team. Come on. <laughs> the good news is, is he only hit half of my hand. So... Right. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> uh. <laughs> 
So being in the holiday spirit, um, I have finally decided to choose to listen to Christmas music. Um, but I'm listening to different genres of... I know. I don't know. I don't know what took... Yeah. And then I just got adjusted to his, not yet, not yet, not yet. After Thanksgiving, okay? I was like, please. So... Yes. That's exactly I said. I was like, yeah. after Thanksgiving or December 1st. So, um, what... Hundred percent. We did start that, but I was I was in the car going somewhere, and I'm listening to different genres of Christmas music because sometimes I can only listen to so much like normal Christmas Christmas music. Yeah, I can only yeah I can only listen to those versions so much. So I'll switch it and I'll listen to the Christian metal bands August Burns Red and their Christmas album, and it's like really intense. Most of it's just music, which is nice because then I don't have to try to do the <laughs> kind of things. Yeah, oh, help me out, help me out. But I want Christmas, so and um, I realized I was listening to the Little Drummer Boy by them, which is like a really, really fun version. And I, they didn't have the words, but of course I knew the song. So I'm singing along with it of what I think the vocals would be like if I was the lead singer of the band. So I'm doing it and then I stopped and I was like, okay. So when I got to work, I um, Googled, cause I, I caught these certain lines and I'm one of those people like it's Christmas and sometimes we blur the line of what's like Christian Christmas and what's commercial Christmas with songs. So all of it together in my head is usually commercial, except for O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. That is my jam. Um, but anyway, that's a different story. It's a different song. So I get home, I get to the work, and I Google it real quick. Like, what are the lyrics for The Little Drummer Boy? So I'm reading through it, and I'm like, interesting. So then I open up a new tab. What's the meaning behind the song? Do you know it? You just raised your hand because you like the song? Okay. I'm here for that. I support it. So um, <laughs> so I looked up the, the meaning, and the song was actually written in 1941 by a woman named Katherine Davis. And... The whole song is about this little boy. It's probably not a true story, especially if it's written in 1941. It's, you know, 19, uh, uh, 1,941 years too late to really have known. But <laughs> I'm reading it, and so it's about this little boy who has nothing but this drum. And when Jesus is born, he's in the manger. And he was invited to come up and give his finest gift, but he had nothing. And the best that he had was this drum. And it rocked me the other morning. Something about it, it never clicked with me. And I'm sitting here like, holy goodness, pun intended. That's, that's sacrifice. So, of course, 
we all know the song, but we're going to go ahead and put the lyrics up for it. Little Drummer Boy. If you care to sing along, go ahead. Um, I'm going to try. But come, they told me, pa-ra-pa-pum-pum. A newborn king to see, pa-ra-pa-pum-pum. Our finest gifts we bring, pa-ra-pa-pum-pum. To lay before our king, pa-ra-pa-pum-pum, ra-pa-pum-pum, ra-pa-pum-pum. So to honor him, pa-ra-pa-pum-pum, when we come. Little baby, pa-ra-pa-pum-pum. I am a poor boy to pa-ra-pa-pum-pum. I have no gift to bring pa-ra-pa-pum-pum. That's fit to give our king pa-ra-pa-pum-pum. Ra-pa-pum-pum, ra-pa-pum-pum. Shall I play for you, pa-ra-pa-pum-pum? Mary nodded, pa-ra-pa-pum-pum. The ox and lamb kept time, pa-ra-pa-pum-pum. I played my best for him, pa-ra-pa-pum-pum, ra-pa-pum-pum, ra-pa-pum-pum. Then he smiled at me, pa-ra-pa-pum-pum, me and my drum. Have you ever thought about the scene at play? I never thought about the scene at play. And right here, we're looking at a sacrifice. This little poor boy knew. I don't have anything, but I really want to give him something. King baby Jesus, I want, I, want to, I want to give him something. The best I have is my ability to play this drum, even if it's just the same cadence. And it's all I know. I want to give that to him. Then he smiled at me, power up a pum-pum, me and my drum. That has rocked me all week. Every day I've been living from this, like, just revelation. And so I view the lyrics and I see the little boy with no money, no new or flashy things and his desire to serve and honor the newborn baby king. And he just wants to play. And I think that, you know, it's funny, you know, Rob's out of here because we associate him with drums all the time. But when we think of drums, I think a lot of us, um, especially within the Christian community, you know, we're thinking of the heartbeat of heaven when it comes to worship. I've literally said those words. I kind of cringe that I've said it. But at the same time, it's kind of true. But the, one of the most beautiful pieces of music is when there's drums present. 
Like, I am just like my mother when it comes to parades. Because when the marching bands go by, I'm sobbing. I'm sobbing. Especially when it's like those... Um, like retired police officers and, and they're marching and they're, it's like to bring this honor. I am a big crybaby with things of honor too. Standing ovations, I'm a puddle. Like whatever it is, I'm a puddle. But there's something about with, with marching bands and the drums when they're so perfectly in time and the intensity and the different types of drums and the different cadences they bring to bring this one rhythm the different cadences to bring one cadence, if that makes sense. There's something about it. So the simplicity of just a drum. And then we look at the heartbeat. Well, it's the heartbeat of the song. We love when there's a drum on stage going, right? Or even the cajon. We like, we are so excited. Not just so we stay in time. Because <laughs> that, can, that can be pretty rough. But... Also, because it's something that that's like our, our foundation in, in singing along and in joining with the sound. There's something on it. And I know, like, I've been in different conversations in different Christian circles where we look at drums, like, yeah, that heartbeat of heaven, heartbeat. We're looking at ourselves. We have our own drum inside of every single one of us. This drum that continues to go. Medically, we're alive because of that drum. That drum creates the ability for us to breathe and creates the ability for us to move, creates the ability to pump this blood, this life into the rest of our body to operate the way God's designed us. So how can we play our best for him with our lives? Becoming that living sacrifice. And so from that posture of us all kind of being the little drummer boy, Looking at sacrifice, I see kind of, you know, we look at sacrifice, and I know we've talked about surrender too, so we kind of see these two kind of sides of sacrifice going back and forth. It just kind of depends on what the, what the, the, the situation or whatever brings. But I see these two vehicles of sacrifice, and one being the sacrifice of the selfish. That's kind of the no-brainer we often think about, Right? But I think there's also this side of the sacrifice of the selfless of ourselves. And so partially, and, and kind of what we were experiencing this morning, the selfish is that surrender. It's that laying down. Lord, I'm laying this down for you. I'm not doing well with this. I'm having a hard time trusting you. So I'm, or even myself or that person. So I'm just going to lay it down. And then there's the side of selfless, which is that humility of sacrifice. The humility side where we're lifting up. Here you go. 
I trust you. I'm not going to boast in myself. I'm going to give you praise for the situation. I'm going to give you glory for this. So to honor him, power up a pum-pum when we come. I think sacrifice is where humility and surrender meet together. So that's why when we talk about sacrifice, it's kind of in these opposite sides almost. I don't know how to, to better articulate that at this time, but there are these two sides of sacrifice. Because there is a sacrifice of the good things and trusting the Lord, and then there's a sacrifice of the bad things and the sin and, the, and those things that we lay down to him so that we can be transformed. And they're constantly at play every moment of our lives. So. Well, yeah. But, and we think about, we think about the thing of sacrifice too. It's, it's, it's really, it is a privilege to be able to do so, you know, especially in the kingdom. Having a place where we can, like, lay this stuff down to get rid of it, to be free, to drop those chains. I don't care what it is, anything that you might be holding on. Like, there might be people, like, today, just to just have something, whether it's worry uh, or whether they're going to, you know, whatever it is, I'm not going to expand on it because I, I, I don't know. I don't, but it's like, you might hold on to something and you might be afraid of giving it up. But just know there's freedom in the release. There's freedom in the sacrifice. That spot that might seem empty after you, you sacrifice, that thing will be filled with something so much better. And that's that exchange. And I, I believe they have that in Sozo, right? Yep, you always trades up and it's always better. It's like, you know, you, you trade, uh, I'm, I don't want to offend people by say, picking out cars. A Ford Pinto, how about that? And getting a Lamborghini, you know what I mean? You know, what, I mean, what do you really, and even if you didn't get anything in return, what, what do you have to lose, honestly? It's a win-win situation. And I'm going to leave another, one more quote, and this is going to be from actually David Livingston. He said, people talk of sacrifice I've made and spending so much time of, of my life in Africa. It is emphatically no sacrifice. Say rather, it is a privilege to be able to sacrifice and lay our lives down is a privilege. And it's one not to be taken lightly, to be able to surrender can you imagine living in a world where you weren't able to do that? You had to carry your mess through the whole, your whole life until you, you perish. How miserable would that be? How exhausting would that be? I know I wouldn't want to live in such a place. But our God is so gracious. So, so gracious. And today I can just say I give thanks to him. And I know you guys you have a heart for him because of that as well. So let's just take a minute to pray, just to seal it. Father God, 
we love you so, so much. We thank you so, so much. We adore you. We admire you. Just in the way that you're receptive to our giving, to our hearts pouring out. Lord, did you take and give beauty for ashes? Oh, so so magnificent. We can't wrap our, our minds around it. It's like, it's like, wow, so much freedom that comes from just re- releasing unto you, Father, and not even expecting anything in return, Lord, but you, it's just knowing that you're there continuously. And sometimes, like even the song said today, like even if we don't feel that you're working through that, God, we know that you're you're still working, that you're continuously working, that you're helping us walk this out. That the day might not feel like a good day, but tomorrow, Lord, you wake us up with those new mercies and you show us that it's going to be okay. And that you are proud of us. You're proud that we were able to have the strength to lay that stuff down. In all humility, because I don't want to be selfish. I want to be selfless. So God, come and fill us, Lord, with that sense of, of, of peace today. God, for whatever we have laid down. God, let's continue just to give you praise through this week. To give ourselves as those living sacrifices, God. To live uh, righteous and holy in your name. God, not to focus on the inward person, but God, just focus on what's on the outside and see people for who they truly are. To see you for who you truly are. To represent your kingdom in a way that the light shines through and touches all those around us. From all the way from the east to the west, cover the earth. We just praise you today, Father. Praise your name. Praise your name. We can't say it enough, Lord. Coming as a babe and swaddling clothes all the way up to Calvary to give in your life. The biggest sacrifice that anyone has ever made. And we are so, so grateful. Praise your name, Jesus. Amen.